Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast. The beginning of any new endeavor can be challenging. There are unique practices, new language, and so many questions about the way things are supposed to work. This newness can be tricky to navigate and sometimes downright frustrating. In this series, we'll focus on addressing questions that people who are new to Christianity or are just starting to engage with scripture might have. We hope these conversations will inspire and encourage you to more fully participate in the kingdom of God. In this episode, we explore the origins of Christianity and its relationship to Judaism. We talk with Mark Meckler about his faith journey, including the search that got him to Jesus, the questions he had in the beginning, and some of the practices he adopted to help him along the way. Christians are meant to ask questions. Following Jesus isn't about figuring it all out. It's about being in relationship with the divine. Faith is not about having all the answers. It is about believing, having courage, and giving life your best effort. We've been on a long journey, a faith journey together. And Joey, we've been doing yellow balloons for how long now? Five years, is that right? Five or six years? So five or six years. Well, yellow balloons actually started with Mark Meckler because Mark came to faith actually in the process of coming to faith, he was asking me a whole bunch of questions about the Bible. And it was really more than I could handle in terms of time <laughs> because Mark is a studious guy. And so I just started recording my Sunday school classes. And instead of doing uh, back and forth with people, I started actually preparing a sermon, I guess, and started recording them. And then just kept on doing it. And that's where the Yellow Balloons That's the Yellow Balloons material, yeah. From. But it, it all started when you started asking questions. Why don't you just take us through your faith journey? You grew up as an agnostic. Well, you started atheist, agnostic. You've been through kind of, you've been yeah, one been of everything. I've been through the whole progression, right? <laughs> so I started, uh, I was raised a secular Jew in Los Angeles, California, which is pretty much, I would argue, probably 80% of the Jews in California, mm -hmm. at least that I knew. A pretty Jewish community. Probably a third of the kids in my high school were Jewish. People went to temple, but even the people going to temple, it was a social ritualistic thing. It was not faith-based, really. So that's my household. My parents, uh, no, no faith basis. Strong moral code, very Judeo-Christian moral code in the house, uh, but they don't know where it comes from. And mm -hmm. Still, to this day, we have these discussions, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's how I was raised. The right belief system in regard to values, but no anchor in faith, no God in the house. Right? Mm -hmm. So I grew up like that. By the time I went to college, I went to college in Southern California. I took religion classes because I always found it interesting. You know, if you don't understand the history of religion, you don't understand humanity because it's always played a fundamental role. So I studied it from that perspective. Probably like so many people who go to college in the modern world, I learned that the fundamental thesis of modern religious studies is that Christianity is evil. Mm. It's the worst thing on the face of the earth. There have been more wars fought over Christianity. So you're saying the premise that all of these classes came from was? Christianity is evil. Okay. Yeah, That's absolutely. what they wanted to prove. Yeah. Okay. They actually said it. Oh, oh they said it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so... You know, and you, you sort of learn, I found in, in religious studies classes, I learned that the main focus was on um, the Crusades. And not any context for the Crusades, not why did the Crusades happen, how did we get here, 
They lacked all historical context. It was all in the excesses of the Crusades. Kind of the same way we see people, historians today studying the United States, and they, it all comes from slavery. Right? There's one, they pick one bad thing, and that's everything. And so that's the Crusades. So by the time I come out of college, I am a, what I would describe as a radical atheist. There's no God. I'm a secular humanist. And I would add one more thing, which is, it's embarrassing in hindsight, I have absolutely no intellectual foundation for anything that I believe when I come out of college. I believe it because it's the dogma, mm. because that's what I've been told. Okay. And so, so at that- So you stopped questioning. I stopped questioning entirely. Mm. Yeah, so at that point in history, you have the rise of what are called the new atheists. And I have to say, I was not even intellectually curious enough to read the new atheists. Mm. That, that was not that, like that was taught. It was just, that stuff's stupid. Faith is for people who are weak, who need a crutch, who need explanations for things that can't be explained, things that are beyond human understanding. That was it. And that, that would be the summation of my mm -hmm. view on faith. And it never occurred to you that I'm believing a whole bunch of stuff that has no explanation no. in doing that. <laughs> no, and I would say it didn't out of complete arrogance. Mm which is where, frankly, all these professors come from. They know, you don't know, you don't need to question because they know and they're telling you. And, and then there's all the peer pressure that everybody essentially believes the same thing and those who don't aren't speaking up. Mm -hmm. And so I came out of college, I was a radical militant atheist who very specifically hated Christianity, okay. I would say. Christianity was evil, bad, terrible. And, and then part of it is just growing up. Mm -hmm. you know, I came out of college, start to have life experiences, ultimately uh, got married for a brief period of time out of law school. I went to law school. It was probably the darkest period of my life getting going through that divorce and then met my current wife. We've been married 29 years now. And a real pivotal point for me was when my son Jacob was born. And so this is my first child. I remember standing in his bedroom. Every parent's done this, standing over the crib, watching your baby breathe and thinking, that's a miracle. Mm -hmm. That's not biology. That's not mm -hmm. about the results of having sex. There's a miracle. That's a life. How does that happen? How did that happen? Yeah, and I remember thinking about that and thinking that's, that's literally, that, that's not me. I didn't make that happen, that there's something else going on. And that started my quest for, well, what is that thing? Yeah. And, and this is uh, now how long ago? Let's see, I would have been 33 years old, and I'm 60 now. Okay. So decades, a Decade. lot of decades. <laughs> and so that's what started me kind of thinking that there's something more than me. And then I think, hopefully, if you're paying attention, as you get older, you realize it's less and less about you if, if you're actually growing up as you get older. And there's got to be something else. And I went through a bunch of iterations. I studied Eastern religion and philosophy, everything from I did a deep dive on Buddhism, studied all the Western writers on Buddhism. Uh, I did a deep dive on yogic thought, and Patty and I got into you yoga. Gave, you gave me a bottom line on Buddhism I thought was real interesting. Can you give, give us that headline? I mean, for me, Buddhism, and I'm not sure I'm going to give you the same headline because I don't remember what I told you, but Buddhism <laughs> to me, it's a great philosophy. It's a nice way to live, but it has no roots in anything, yeah, really. Was, what I remember you saying is, uh, do whatever works was the what makes you happy. for you. What, oh, do whatever makes it's you really happy. It's really what makes you happy. Um, it also, I mean, I think there's a lot of great stuff in Buddhism. It's, it's one of the things it acknowledges is 
I think too much, but life is suffering. There's going to be mm -hmm. suffering in life. You and I talk about the three things that you control, and one of them is your attitude, and Buddhism mm -hmm. says a lot of life is about mm -hmm. your attitude. Stuff's going to happen, and what's your mm -hmm. attitude about what happens? Mm -hmm. I, For me, one of the most interesting things about Buddhism that I discovered when I got to the root of it is what Buddha thought it was is not what people today think it is, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's true of Christianity as well, mm -hmm. often. You know, there's a... I, I think it's kind of a myth, but there's a story about Buddha and essentially his disciples, his main followers on his deathbed gathered around, and they said, Master, what will we do when you're gone? Who will we follow? And he looked at them like they were the three stooges and said, you morons. What, what <laughs> you are you didn't understand right. that. You don't follow me. I told you a way to live that mm -hmm. probably will serve your life and make you happy. If you want to keep doing that, go for it. If you don't, that's fine too. And so, so I studied all these things, and here's what I found. It was Buddhism, it was yoga, it was Jainism, it was Taoism. I dove into all that stuff. I spent time in India. And what I found is lots of interesting stuff, uh, stuff that I liked in each of them. Mm -hmm. Nothing made my heart sing. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't read something and think, wow, I, I really feel something. That's it. They Why? were all methodologies. Why? Oh, they were all methods. There was no heart connection. They were okay. methods, right? And they're like ways to live your life that potentially quote unquote work. I think there's some truth in all of them, I would say. and But I never found the thing. And so I studied all this stuff, including Islam, by the way. I read the Quran a couple of times, different translations. Never studied Christianity. Oh. It was off limits. Because of that. It was evil. Because it was evil. Yeah, yeah oh. like why would I even look at that? <laughs> and then there's, a, there's another nuance for me in particular because I'm a Jew. You know, both sides of my family Jewish. And I think this is something... Maybe other Jews would dispute this, but nobody ever told me what I'm about to say, but I believed it anyway. If I was a Jew and I became a Christian, then I would betray my people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's inherently there because there's been eons of political of persecution, religious persecution by Christians against Jews. So you think like, well, why would I join the persecutors? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Now, again... I never heard that. Not mm -hmm. one person ever said that to me. It was just inside. Mm -hmm. And I find now when I talk to Messianic Jews, which I do a lot now, all of them had that. Wow. Like, that's a betrayal. That one, that's off the table. I can't even look at that. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll find that there are a lot of Jews that most of the modern Western writers on Buddhism are Jewish, which is really interesting. Did you study Judaism? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> That seems kind of weird. Well, I think one of the first conversations that you and I ever had about faith was you said to me, well, what do you know about your own heritage? And I, I literally, I was so lost. I said, what do you mean? Like, I don't even know what you mean by that. And I know where my family comes from. And you said, no, Judaism, like it's the, what you, I think your words were, it's the ultimate story ever told. And we know the story, like thousands of years of history. We actually know that history. You should know something about that history. And that's actually what started you and I walking this path it was not you saying to me, oh, you need to know the Lord, mm -hmm. you need to find salvation. And had you said any of that stuff to me, mm -hmm. it would have been instant done. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I've heard people pitch me on this. I'm not buying what you're selling. But you asked me about my own heritage. Mm -hmm. And that opened a door for me. And then I think the first thing you did was had me read Hebrews. And you, you we, yeah, what I remember is you said at some point, um, I, I think I need to check it into this. And I said, well, read our father, Abraham. Yes, you absolutely. Is that absolutely. before Hebrews? I think it was. I can't remember. I you know, I'm bad with history here. So I think that was first because yeah. that, that book basically talks about Judaism 
and how Christianity is a sect of Judaism. Yes. And there was not a split between Judaism and Christianity until about, what, was it uh, 125 A.D. or something? There yeah, almost a... 150, I think. Yeah. Then that actually, you asked me a question in a mentoring capacity that is the pivot point in my faith journey. And you said, how did Judaism and Christianity come to separate? Like, when did that happen? And I had absolutely no idea because I'd never studied it. And I guessed and I said, well, I think, you know, so Christ is born, walks the earth. Uh, if you're a believer, he, he reveals himself as the Messiah. He's crucified, he's resurrected, and he ascends. Uh, you know, the second part, you believe if you're a believer. And so at that point, um, then the people who believe that he's the risen Messiah who's then ascended to heaven are uh, Christians. And mm -hmm. the Jews who don't believe that are Jews. And you said, no, that's wrong. Yeah, and, and that is, that's something that a lot of Christians believe, that uh, Jesus rose and then came back a Baptist. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and then so and, I... And built a church yeah. and, you know, yeah. put on a mitre and... And so when you asked me that question, so you told me that was wrong, and I said, okay, well, so then what is it? And you said, yeah, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> you need to go figure that out, which was pivotal for me. Mm -hmm. And because then that required that I study some history and that I read scripture, and you pointed me in some directions. Mm -hmm. And But it was not easy, by the way. It wasn't just like, oh, well, there's a book, and I can just go look mm -hmm. up the timeline and see. And basically what it came to is... Everything I said happens, and then uh, 75 years later, roughly, you get the destruction, the partial destruction of the temple, the first rebellion, and those who believe that Christ is the risen Messiah mostly don't fight. They leave during that rebellion. The it, diaspora. Uh-huh. So then it creates a schism in the Jewish community. Those guys weren't willing to fight. Ultimately, that schism is repaired. Then this is the part that was so profound to me. They come back, they're in Jerusalem, and they're Jews. Like, I never thought, wait, what do you mean they're Jews, but they believe in the Messiah? Like, how does that? No, they're Christians at mm -hmm. that point. And yet, at that point in history, they're not referred to as Christians, except in a derogatory way by the Romans, right? Yeah. Little Christs. Mm -hmm. It's a derogatory term for those who follow the Messiah. But the other Jews would have just said, you know, in the way I understand Jewish culture, like, oh, those are just those crazy Jews that believe the Messiah has already come. But they're still Jews. Paul in Rome, this is another profound moment for me, is questioned by the Jewish leaders in Rome, right? He's in Rome to plead his case before Caesar. They come to him, they say, we hear you're not a Jew anymore. Like you, you do all this other weird stuff. You believe that guy's the Messiah. And he's, that's crazy. I'm a Hebrew among Hebrews. Mm -hmm. Well, really, will you prove it to us? Will you go to the temple? Will you pay mm -hmm. for the ritual? He's like, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. So you had me read that. And I'm reading that thinking, I like it's radical cognitive dissonance. Because mm -hmm. what I'm thinking is, I don't understand. He's saying he's a Jew, but he's a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't understand. Is he a Jew or is he a Christian? The answer is yes, right? He's both. He and and so then the rest of the history, about another 75 years roughly, you get the second destruction, the complete destruction of the temple and the second rebellion. At that point, that's where it's like, okay, we've got these folks that follow the Messiah. These are Jews who don't follow the Messiah. These people do not refer to themselves as Jews any longer. And so that there was another Messiah in there, uh, Akbar or something, uh, that I think was the split. Okay. There was uh, some the people said, okay, we have a Messiah now, and the Christians said, or the you know believing Jews said, we already have a Messiah. Right. And that was I think there were the. So I think when I so for me, mm -hmm. why that was so profound is because and and I describe this as like 
and I have a visual in my head of like a giant castle, giant castle doors, like something out of mm-hmm. uh, out of Lord of the Rings. A door opened in my heart. Like, there's a possibility that I never knew existed. I don't have to say I'm not a Jew anymore because I was very culturally Jewish, yeah. and and that's very deep in my family. And the idea that I would have to leave all that and betray that culture, I just couldn't imagine. And so when you showed me, and I, I remember coming back to you and saying, wait, so I can be a Jew and be a Christian. And you said, almost, not exactly right. And I said, what do you mean? He said, and you said, that's what you're supposed to be. Like that's the, pro- the promise was made to your people. This is the fulfillment of the promise. So it's more than just you can be, this is how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so that, and even when I say it now, honestly, I feel a flush. Mm-hmm. Like there's something magical about that to me. Yeah. And I think most Jews don't understand that. They've never been told that. What they're told is you're going to convert. And the word conversion is used, right? Mm-hmm. Conversion is some kind of change. You're no longer a Jew. Now you, that's gone. And now you're a Christian. And, and the reality, as I've come to understand it, is mm-hmm. I mean, my heritage is my heritage. My genetics are my genetics. I'm Jewish. That never goes away. Mm-hmm. What I believe and what I know and my salvation are something that it just integrates with that. It doesn't go away. Uh, yeah, that's really powerful. Interestingly enough, that version of what you just talked about is common on the Gentile side. Because I think the most common understanding among Gentiles of the Bible is that God rejected the Jews and replaced them yeah. with the church. Right, replacement theology. Yeah, that's very common. Like right. he rejected Israel, replaced with the church, which leads to the question of, well, then he's not dependable. Yeah. Right. And, and that was actually part of the accusation that against Paul that he was addressing in Romans. Right. And he wrote Romans 9 through 11 to address that specific question and very adamantly insists that God's promises, his gifts and callings are irrevocable. It's plain as day. You cannot get past that. And furthermore, that Christians are actually like wild olive branches grafted into a domestic tree a wild olive doesn't produce fruit, but if you graft it into a domestic tree, it starts producing olives, and that's what we're like. And he makes a real clear illustration of that, of if you think you're good on your own without this root, I could... you, you're worse off <laughs> than they are not understanding what their root is right. and thinking it's them. And I remember you telling me, you know, that... Uh... We're told as Christians, don't get haughty because you could just be cut off. Yeah, you're easy. I, I'm, I'm the root's always going to be there. I can prune you off, right. no problem. <laughs> so all of that for me was just transformational. And then the next phase for me was study, was really digging in and studying. Mm-hmm. Our Father Abraham is a book you had me read, Return of the Kosher Pig. You started guiding me through scripture. So explain to people what that is. That's a odd, it's a provocative <laughs> <laughs> well, so these are, well, and it's the, the source for these is interesting too. So these are books where, I, as I understand your backstory, you started to learn the integration of mm-hmm. the Hebrew culture, the, Israel, the Israelite culture in Christianity. 
I'm Jewish at heart because my heart's circumcised. Right. That means I'm, I'm grafted into Israel. So how can I be anti-Semitic right. when I'm part of the Jewish? And so you're the one, you taught me all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so as I, as I studied that stuff and started to study scripture, listen to you doing, you started doing uh, your Sunday Bible studies, you started recording those. And I, I was listening to those and reading scripture. And that's my nature anyway. I'm a lawyer by training. Mm -hmm. The Jewish culture is a study culture anyway. So I, I, that's just my nature. I'm brought up that way. And a question-asking culture. question-asking, argumentative culture, <laughs> I think you could add. <laughs> Two Jews, three opinions, right? That's pretty classic. <laughs> so all that stuff is going on. And then there's not a moment where I come to faith which is a little odd for me. Like usually when I hear people's faith stories, they're like, mm -hmm. and, you know, I was on a mountaintop and the sun was rising mm -hmm. or I was in a deep valley somewhere, mm -hmm. darkness, and I turned to the Lord. For me, it just became the weight of reason. And I don't think you can ever get all the way there on reason, but at some point I remember just thinking, it doesn't make any sense not to believe. It just became a sense balance. Like, well, mm -hmm. the evidence is on the side of belief. It's not on the side of unbelief anymore. And it was literally so non-dramatic. It's like, well, I guess I'm <laughs> a believer. <laughs> and I, I prayed to the Lord for acceptance and to cleanse me of my sins. And in a very, I'm sure, um, rudimentary, unknowing way, like there's no magic. I'm sure you already know this. Right. I just want to sort of formalize that, it for myself. That was pretty much it. <laughs> And it's like, okay, I guess I'm a believer. Mm -hmm. And it really, that idea of how that all happened came home to roost. I got interviewed by Marvin Olasky, mm. from, who was the publisher of World Magazine. I was at Patrick Henry College, and I was going to give my uh, testimony for the first time in front of mm. a live group of people. I was pretty nervous about it. And so he was interviewing me beforehand over lunch. And we're sitting in the cafeteria at Patrick Henry College, and he said, you know, tell me how you came to faith. And I told him I'm a little bit embarrassed because I don't really have any kind of mm -hmm. a thing that happened. And he laughed and he said, well, that's because you're a Jew. I was like, well, I don't know what you mean by that, Marvin. And he said, it's exactly how I came to faith. And he was a he's Jew Jewish and too. a communist. Mm -hmm. and, and he said, I don't remember. Like, I just studied and studied and eventually it made sense to me. And he said, and I've heard that story over and over from Jewish people. Like, eventually it's just like, okay, I get it. I'm, I'm a believer now. And uh, so he said, common story among Jews. And, and so that's how I gave my testimony and still feels a little bit weird. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. <laughs>